Discover community, find hope, and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Eric Kuhner. How many of you growing up pretended to be somebody else? Maybe somebody you saw on a, in a movie, on TV. Maybe it was a comic character. Maybe it was a musician. Maybe it was a celebrity, an athlete. At some point, maybe at some point in your life as a kid, you, you saw somebody or you saw a scene or there was this movie that kind of inspired you and you, you wanted to be like that person. I remember as a kid, maybe, you know, taking and putting on the, the towel and trying to be Superman running through the house. And maybe you did that. Maybe you dressed up as a character trying to act like you were Batman or Superman or whatever it might have been. Maybe there's in here tonight with, with kids. Maybe you're still in that, in that mind frame. You're, you're pretending to be somebody. You're, you're seeing things. A lot of times we're inspired by what we see. We, we, maybe it's the cowboy movies. Maybe it was the, uh, as a, as a kid, the Star Wars movies. You know, watching the Star Wars movies, they always inspired me or wanted to, to hopefully, maybe I had some kind of, you know, force. There was some way that I could move something with my mind that, yes, man, if I had a lightsaber, all that would be so amazing if it would just glow and, and you could just wall around, you know, all the different cool things. Maybe when somebody made you mad, you could just force choke them, you know, kind of like Darth Vader and take them out, right? All these things. And th- there was all this stuff as a kid you'd, you'd see on the big screen and, and there would be these scenes and things. All of a sudden you'd begin to pretend like you were in the movie. You pretend you'd begin to act it out with maybe your, your, your siblings or your friends. You'd come over and you'd do things like, this is who I am. No, I'm this character. I'm this character. And I remember in the, in the 80s, there was this movie. And some of you in this room do not remember this movie. Maybe you've seen this movie, but there was this pose. Anybody remember this pose right here? Know what this is? Know this? Come on. Karate Kid. That's right. The crane kick. I mean, it's the most iconic pose ever. You know, Mr. Miyagi's out on the post. He's, what? he's doing his things. And, but then you had, the, you know, Danielson. He's learning. Daniel, he's learning these things as a kid and, and whether you know it or not that movie actually inspired in the 80s the, to kind of bring karate back it, it put it in a spotlight registrations went up kids began to pour in to uh, dojos and wanted to learn karate they want to learn what it's about is because they were inspired by this this corny movie of this kid who learned to do different things because he had this teacher and I, and I and I've said earlier uh, earlier this morning. I, I think it's one of those things that was made. I think the movie was made up by parents because Mr. Miyagi was teaching Daniel all these different things. He was learning, teaching him. If you paint the house side to side, and he's like, "Why? Just paint side to side." If you wax the vehicle, maybe you've ever heard this. You're like, "Where's this coming from?" I've heard wax on, wax off. It's from the Karate Kid. He's painting the fence. He's sanding the boards. All these things. And I said, I believe this movie's made up by parents because in the 80s, all of a sudden, parents are going around with clean wax cars. Houses were painted. Fences were painted. The backyard deck. And I don't know who has a backyard like Mr. Miyagi, but that was crazy to see all the decking ahead that Daniel had to go and sand. But I think it was like one of these movies that was made up by parents to make kids work, to have all this stuff. But it was... Something that was cool because kids were doing this all the time. Wax on, wax off. And you think if I, if I can do this, I'm learning some kind of up and down and side to side. I now, I, and if I can do this, man, I'm ready to go. I know because, but that's how kind of what it is. It was playing pretend. We were inspired by athletes. We were inspired or pretending to be like somebody else. Kids were coming to school with this one glove on. And you're like, what are you talking about? This diamond-studded fake glove on because Michael Jackson had the one glove and he had the jacket, the cool jackets with the zippers in them. And kids would come to school and you're like, oh, you've got all the cool stuff. 
Or if you put the Jordans on and lowered the gold just enough, maybe you, you could be like him flying through the air and dunking. All these things that we would do and pretend to be. But the thing is, there's a difference between pretending and imitating. There's a difference between pretending to be somebody and imitating somebody. And you say, well, it sounds very familiar, but I'm going to tell you in just a few minutes, there's a difference. The thing is, we can either choose to have a relationship with Jesus that we're choosing to be more like him in the way we imitate him. Or the thing is, we can just have a superficial relationship that is more like playing dress up. And sometimes there's a lot of people that's going through life trying to play the role of being Christ-like. They figure if I have the t-shirt on, if I look the part, if I sound the part, then that's who I am. If I can pretend to be like Christ, then maybe people will see me different. But in the long run, all that's going to do is begin to, begin to show more evidence that you don't have a relationship with God. That it's something that's not real. Because when things hit in your life, your relationship's not grounded in. And we react different, we respond different to those that have a relationship with the Father. As we go through today's message, tonight's message, I want to ask you to think of a few questions to yourself. As one of them is, are you pretending or are you imitating? Are you pretending or are you imitating? Over the past several weeks and months, we've been in the book of Ephesians on being church. In all those first four books of Ephesians, we've learned a lot of things. There are a lot of things that Paul has written, a lot of things that Paul has instructed us, a lot of things that Paul has shown us and who we're to be. But tonight we're going to look, about, look at being imitators of God. We're going to look at being imitators of God. But in the first four chapters of Ephesians, we can see how we find the riches of our salvation, the, re, the reasons of our salvation, the revelation of our salvation, and how each one of us is a piece of work. We discover that no matter who you are or where you come from, that the hope and love of Jesus Christ is for everyone. That how each one of us is uniquely gifted for a purpose and for the building up of the body and love. That we are to be a people that puts on the new way of living and not return to the old ways, to not look back but move forward. That we don't lie anymore, we don't allow anger to control us, we don't steal, we don't cheat, and we become one who builds others up and not one who tears others down. We do that by the way we treat one another, how we love one another, by removing things from our life, removing the bad traits from our lives and replacing them with kindness, with love, with tenderness, with compassion, with forgiveness and grace. Which leads us to chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we see the very first word there, we see the word therefore. And that therefore is there for a reason. When you see the word therefore, you need to look to see why it's therefore. What does it mean? It's something that caused you to pause. It's something that's a, that's a continuation. Paul wrote that there for a reason because he's saying in the first four chapters, what I've shown you, what I've taught you, and how to live your life, how you're to love one another, how do you lift each other up, the things that you take off, the things that you put on. Now that you've learned all these things, now therefore, it's the continuation of what we've been preaching for the past several months. Therefore, be imitators of God. 
Therefore, now that you know who you are in Christ, be imitators of who I am. Be like the Father. What he's saying is be like the Father. It's having that relationship with him. It's that willingness to be walk in obedience to him. It's the fact that we walk in his love. We are to be the imitator of God's love. And we said, well, we were talking earlier about pretend and, and to imitate. Pretend means trying, acting to be something or someone you're not. And we can pretend a lot of times to be people that we're not. But when we imitate, it means to copy, to follow, to emulate. The word imitate is the word uh, mimites, which means do as I do, which is also the English version of that as being a mime. But it, it, what it's saying here is do as I do. So what God, what uh, Paul is saying is to be like the father as you do as the father does. Is to do as he does. Not the phrase that maybe some of us have said to our children. Don't do as I do, but do as I say. Right? If you ever, I don't know if you as a parent in this room or as kids, you've ever heard that from somebody. Hey, I made a mistake. Don't do as I do, but do as I say. It's very hypocritical. <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense when you're trying to set a, as an example for your children. Like, I messed up, but don't do as I do. Do as I say. We need to set the example before others do as I do. That I'm living a life that is a reflection of Christ. And when we don't do as we should do, then we apologize. We walk in grace. Uh, we ask for grace and mercy in our own lives. But we see the word mime. We see that word also the mime comes from the word imitate. From the word mimitase. Uh, the thing is, when you've ever seen a mime, is they don't say anything, right? They sit there. They, most of them have makeup on. They're weird looking. But they're very expressive. And they're trying to paint a picture. They're trying to tell a story with their motions, with their actions, and what's taking place. They're very good at, at taking invisible objects and making them see real. And you look at it, and you're able to understand what they're doing, whether they're stuck, stuck in a box or on the telephone, what, whatever's taking place, they're able to act these things out. They're able to tell a story and, and let things be seen without even having to use words. I believe what Paul is also saying here is don't just talk about the love. Don't just talk about God's love, but walk in his love. Live it out, express it, not only tell everybody you have it, show them that you have it. Do as God does. In other words, live it out before the world. Be the example of who Christ is. Be the example of God as an imitator of who God is. And the thing is, we, we the, the goal is of this Christian life is to walk in perfection. And we hear that word right there and be like, there's no way I could ever be perfect. That's right. None of us on this side of heaven will ever be perfect. None of us will know perfection. But just because we don't know perfection is not, that doesn't mean that we give up, that we stop trying. Because the goal as a, as a follower of Christ is to be the example of who Jesus is, is to be the example of who God is. The point is that we try our hardest to be the very reflection of our Father. John said this, that one day we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And so as the Christian life, I believe, is summed up right here in this verse is be imitators of God be like the father so what are we doing when we imitate God we're trying to become the best reflection of who God is that we emulate him that he's seen in our life 
When we understand that God is the perfect person, he's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And God made us to imitate. God created us to be an imitation of who he is. If we go back to the creation story, if we go back to where Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit are together, and the Father says, let us make man in our image, right? Let us make man in our image. So if we're made in the very image of God, that means we are to imitate God. That means we are to be a reflection of who he is, not just to play a part, but it's in everything that we do. It's in our speech and our, and our character. If we take on the very characters of who God is, it's in our compassion and our love and our surrender and our sacrifice and all of who God is. That's the likeness in which we take on. That is the image in which we take on. That is a representation of who we're meant to be. Let us make man in our image. He also said, be holy as I am holy. Jesus said this, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. It's a goal. It's something that we're striving to be. It's what we're reaching to become like. If we don't have goals before us, then we never hit anything. We'll never uh, have any place or direction to go. But God lays it out and says, this is who I am. Be like me and love others like me. So when we imitate God, we're doing what we're designed to do. We're imaging God. We're being holy as he is holy. We're pursuing perfection. How many of you here tonight... I've got it wrong a few times. How many of you in here have made some mistakes and got it wrong a few times? If you don't put your hand up, we'll have an altar call at the end and you can come down and pray for forgiveness for lying. So <laughs> there's not a person in this room that has never not made a mistake. There's nobody in here that's perfect. Nobody's never got it not wrong. There's most of us in this room, we've got it wrong and we're still getting it wrong. We're still making mistakes. But it doesn't mean that we don't try. It doesn't mean that we still stop pursuing that perfected relationship with the father. I know as a father, I've made mistakes. I look back and those regrets and things I, I know to, to have impatience with my children, to get angry too quick, to respond in a way that I shouldn't, to raise my voice, to get, to get mad over the stupidest things and then take it out on my children or take it out on my spouse. And now today, more than everything, I look back and I'm like, man, all the times over something ridiculous. But the thing is, there was internal struggles in my life. There was things that I was dealing with. There was, un, there was pain that I was dealing with that didn't understand how to process. And as a, my relationship with the father grew, that all of a sudden there was a difference. There's things that began to change in my life because I was not being what I had seen before. I was not living the way I had been ris, uh, raised. I was taking those things which I saw and I thought was normal. And saying, that's not normal. That's not a right way to respond. That's not a right way to respond to your children or to your spouse. And so I had to allow the Holy Spirit to change inside of my life. And now I look back and I, <laughs> I tell my kids, don't be like dad at certain points. I ride with my daughter in, my, in the car and I'm like, oh my goodness. I look over and I see the very image of who I used to be 
impatience and, and traffic and, and, and fussing at people in cars that have no idea that they cut you off or they're not going fast enough or they're not turning or their blinker's not on and you get frustrated like oh, people can't drive in North Dakota, people can't drive in Texas, people can't drive. No matter where you go, you, you always think you're the perfect, most best driver in the world because nobody else can drive and everybody needs to get out of your way, right? And you're raising your hands and you're doing things you shouldn't do and you're saying things under your breath, you're in your car. Nobody sees it. Everybody sees it. Everybody sees it when we act a fool sometimes. But I look over and I see my daughter and I'm like, oh my goodness, sweetheart, you have got to stop. You've got to chill. Stop being like dad used to be. Which doesn't help a lot because she's like, oh, I'm not like you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, not there. That shows you're like me. <laughs> the response. And there's things in their life where like, don't be like me, but be like this in my life now. Because we have to live that example. The fact that we have and will continue to, to fail is not an excuse to get us out of this command or these commands. And I believe these are commandments of God. It's all the more reason we need to need the reminder to strive to be like Christ. It's whatever it takes. It's I. It's that I have that I want to do what I can do to get it right mentality. Mentality. The most basic level to imitate God means to mimic him. And how do we mimic someone? We watch them. We pay close attention to them. We spend time with them. We do what they do. And to imitate God and to be like the father, we have to spend time with the father. We have to know him to be like him. Not just read about him, but spend time with him and have a relationship with him. That we're willing to be connected and that we understand when he's speaking to us. When he's speaking in us and through us, that we are willing to be in that relationship with him. That's how we know about the father. And when we know about the father, and we're connected and we're being imitators, then we love like the father. The beginning of verse two, it says, and walk in love. And walk in love. It means we're walking in this relationship with God. It's not a sprint, it's a walk. And some of us could sprint in the way we think we can love, but it's meant to be more than just this one-time thing of loving. Because when we sprint to try to love people, we get weary, we get tired. It becomes short-lived. The point that Paul's making is is love shouldn't be something that's short-lived and occasional. It should be natural and consistent. It's like walking. Anyone can love once, but can you love constantly? Consistently, over and over. And that's what it means is don't just sprint to love others, but you do it in a walk because you're learning and you're walking alongside others. We look at that kind of the love that Paul's talking about. It's the kind of love in in 1 Corinthians 13. A lot of times we hear this scripture Uh, this passage in weddings but paul didn't write it for a wedding vow he wrote it to the church to say this is the characteristics of who god is this is who god is and this is what love is and you're wanting to know how to walk in love look at first corinthians 13 love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And that's the kind of love Paul's talking about. 
We have to ask our question, how am I doing in this area of loving? What does it look like? Does love define your life? I believe Paul says it should. And he he doesn't only say it's just for these super spiritual type people. It's for all of us. As followers of Jesus, it's for everyone that we're required to live this out. I believe the unmistakable sign of Christianity is life, is a life of walking in love. It's not optional. It's not something we look like and we choose and say, well, I choose to love here, but I choose not to love there. I choose to, to treat this person a certain way, but not treat this person the same way. It's not optional when we have a relationship with God, when we're learning to, to go deeper with him and we wanting to become more devoted to him. It's not an option. I believe when Paul wrote this, this is a command of God speaking to Paul to be like the father, but to walk in love. It's a directive. It's not optional. Because Jesus said himself, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. And right now you could go around in the room and ask each other the questions, what are you known for? What are you known for? What, what, what represents who you are? And you're going to have all these different qualities, all the different things. You're going to say my job does, where I go to school, that I'm an athlete, I play this sport, I play this instrument, I do this or whatever it might be. And there's maybe the things that you look to define who you are. But Jesus says you will be known as my disciple by the way you love others. And so when your friends and your colleagues and your family and people in your life see you, do they see you as a follower, as a disciple of Christ? What do they see in your life? What do they see? Because the thing is we have to learn as as a child is to walk in love, to have that relationship. Just like a baby learns to walk. They don't just all of a sudden run off the couch and begin to run or walk. They have to learn how to walk. It's being taught how to walk. Sometimes it's being picked up, it's put in the stroller and being pushed. But then other times it's it's outside, it's holding hand, it's leading, it's guiding, it's being there with them. And you watch a child that's spending time with its parent, they'll begin to pick up the very gate. They'll begin to pick up and walk the same manner, do the same mannerisms. Oh, a parent's walking with their hands behind the back. You watch kids, they'll walk around like that. I've, I've watched it happen. They'll, they'll, they'll pick up on it because they're watching, they're learning. They'll hold their fork and their spoon a certain way when you're, when you're eating because they're watching you to see how you do it. How do you take the food and not drop it instead of just grabbing it? This child's learning. Okay, I want to use a spoon. How do I hold it? When you teach them to write, you teach them the way you've learned, right? They look down and you see a kid and they're holding all weird. Like, oh, no, 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 hold it like that. You're teaching them a certain way and all of a sudden they're watching. How do you hold things? How do you do things? It's the same way that in, in our relationship with the father. So you have to look and say, what do I need if, if love isn't the way I walk? Do we need to stop and allow God to put us in that stroller? Do we now have God to come and, and put us and hold us by the hand and begin to show us what love truly is? We need to say, okay, God, I, I want to walk in obedience to you. Because when we lean into God and we live up into Christ, he'll show you what that looks like, what love looks like. He'll take away your excuses. He'll give you reasons, reasons to walk in obedience to the two commands of being imitators and walking in love 
because we are beloved children. Reason number one, we are beloved children. One of the reasons is understanding who you are, knowing who you are. Some of us say, well, I can't even be an imitator because I don't feel like I even belong. I don't even feel like I really am accepted for who I am or all the things in my life that I've dealt with. You don't just, you don't know my story. You don't know my hurts, my pains, what I've done to other people. But if you've come, if you've come in relationship with the father, God says, I've forgiven you for all of that. I've cleansed you for all of that. No matter what you've done in your life, stop holding on to the things that you've been forgiven for. Don't go back and pick up the same things in your life over and over and over. When God says, I have forgiven you, then allow those things to be rid from your life. But some of us don't see us as beloved children. We don't think that we belong in this family. But God says, I love you. He also says in Romans 8, 15, says, God has given us the spirit of sonship and by him cry, Abba, Father. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, say, our Father. He's telling you that we have this connection. Paul says in Galatians 4, we are children of the promise. John says, Jesus gave us the right to be called children of God. So know who you are. You are a child of God. You belong in the kingdom. And as, you, as a child of God, you are called to be an imitator of Christ. If you're in Christ, God relates to you, not like a king to a servant, not like a, a, a boss to an employee, but as a father to a child with warmth and depth and tenderness and care, attention, and he's intentional in our life. If you're a child of God, Paul says, be like your father. Allow him to speak into your life. And when he does speak, recognize his voice that he's saying, I care about you and I want the very best for you. And I want to lead you and I want to guide you and I want to show you that I am here with you. That my spirit dwells within you. So as beloved children, we are to be imitators. And our second reason that is because Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Look again at verse 2. It says, walk in love. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So we see that Jesus paid the price. He set the example of what surrender looks like, what sacrifice looks like. The Bible says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Jesus is not only the model of perfect love, he's the reason for all Christian love. That's why Paul, when discussing right living, includes right thinking. Right living flows from right thinking. We've heard that phrase over and over and over again. It's because where we're at in the relationship that we're in, if we are in a relationship with God and we're imitating God and we recognize that we're children of God, then our thinking is transformed. Is there a shift in the way we think? And it's going to lead to living the way that we're thinking. Christ's death on the cross is what reconciled us to God. It was the supreme act of love. It was the, the, the greatest thing that was ever done for us. 
And the thing is, if we're ever going to have a chance at walking in love, it's going to be in response to God's love. The thing is, Jesus knew what he was doing when he walked the road to the cross. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to take place. He knew that even as he said, the the son of man has to suffer many things and he will be rejected and he will be killed. But even knowing what he was knowing, it still did not deter him from his mission. It didn't cause him to drift from his mission. It didn't cause him to turn away from what his goal and his purpose was. He knew what was going to come. He knew the rejection that he was going to face. He wasn't caught off guard. Even when it went down, he didn't flee away from it. He knew that Judas was coming to betray him. He knew that he didn't stand a chance in the courts. He knew his trial was going to go bad. He knew the cross was coming, and yet he accepted it as love for us. No matter what, he said, I'm willing to go. You know what? That kind of love, that's the kind of love is bold. The kind of love is risky. It's a gospel kind of love. And what does your love look like? What does your love look like? Are we really living for God or are we pretending to live for God while we pursue our hopes and our dreams? Fitting, fitting God in on the side. So we want to play the games with God. We, we tell God, you fit here. These parts of my life are good, God. You, you can come to this. But God, I got to go over here and do this. And you, I, you can't, you don't quite fit here. Over here, I can put on a different facade and, and do, be a different person people understand my relationship with you here but when i go over here and i'm i'm out with the guys i'm out with the girls or i'm doing this or i'm at this event or i'm doing this meeting with this person at the job i have to be somebody that's different and so i can't quite portray you the way that i should so god you you don't belong here at this moment because i may say some things that really doesn't represent who you are it really doesn't represent love and caring and compassion the way i have to do these things or the way i have to teach or the way i have to talk and so, God, right now, you don't fit. And see, so we want God to, to adapt to our lifestyle instead of us surrendering ourselves to God's anointing and to his Holy Spirit and saying, God, if I'm going to imitate you, no matter where I'm at, I want to be the same person. Because I want people to be drawn to you no matter where I'm at. And if I know that I'm doing things a certain way that's not pleasing to you, then God, I need to allow your spirit to begin to transform me and change me. Because I want to be the same person with the people here that I am here, no matter where I'm at, with my family, with my friends. I don't want to be somebody that's different. Because these people over here may need Jesus desperately. But if I'm trying to fit in, they may never, ever see him. They may never know him because I'm trying to fit into their narrative instead of allowing the love of Jesus to be seen in my life. The thing is, we don't just stumble into this kind of love. Gospel love is, it's intentional. 
Gospel love walks to the pace of Jesus, imitating God with each step, no matter the circumstances. We must choose gospel love as Christ chose it. He trusted the Father's plan, resolved to do the Father's will, and did the Father's work. And the question is to all of us, is will we? Will we trust? Will we be imitators? Will we walk in his love? Next few minutes, we're going to continue in our worship. And I want to challenge you just to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe ask yourself some of these questions. Maybe ask yourself this question, what if I, what if I took this, this call, this command seriously? No holds barred, hold nothing back, no limitations, and said, God, I'm all in. God, I'm all in. I'm going to imitate you. I'm going to walk it out. I know who I am in you, and I know I've seen the example of what Christ has done. Now I have reasons. I know I have a purpose. And God, I want to see you do amazing things in me and through me. What might God do in your life? What would it look like if we said, okay, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night that this transformation is going to take place in my life.